they're almost kind of interchangeable for better yeah, or for exactly, worse. Ex exactly. It's what if Marvel cast Warren Ellis to play <laughs> Moon Knight? So you've got this stale D-list superhero, and you want to jazz him up, make him exciting again. What do you do, Raman? Fly to Mariel, England, and knock on Garth Ennis. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Alan Moore. No, no, I'm sorry. Mark Millar. No, no, Warren Ellis. Knock on Warren Ellis's door with a pile of money. And uh, Truth be told, you could probably knock on any of those actually probably not alan moore he'd probably sh chase you away with a shotgun i mean if shotguns were legal i think he'd right. put a hex on me i think he'd put a hex on me. <laughs> all right it's fair to say unlike most writers even the ones that you you mentioned you can spot a, a warren ellis written comic book just by reading the dialogue his books are filled with sharp-tongued cynical people slinging barbs at each other even when they're trying to be nice and ellis emerged in the mid-90s writing marvel titles like titles like thor and excalibur and he really elevated his cult following in 1997 with transmetropolitan an epic tale about a hunter thompson-esque journalist named spider jerusalem fighting against corruption in a dystopic future and by the way Ellis really did have a cult following, which he actively nurtured through an online forum where young, impressionable minds, myself included, yikes, lined up to genuflect at the altar of his digital profile. Oh God, I see where this is going. Unfortunately, the Warren Ellis we are talking about is the same Warren Ellis who recently got Me Too'd when a number of women, both fans and creators, accused him of consistently using his status and industry power to manipulate them into sexually compromising situations. Were you one of them, Ryan? Well, no. So should we just cancel this episode and go home? I hope not, but we should keep drinking. And we'll have to address that ongoing question of the extent to which we can separate the creator from the creation, which I guess used to be an academic exercise, but now it's pretty relevant. Anyway, after Marvel, Ellis wrote for Image's Wildstorm imprint, including titles like Stormwatch, The Authority, and Planetary, which we are actually going to be reading next week. He wrote the Castlevania animated series on Netflix. He did a bunch of his own projects and eventually wound his way back to Marvel, where he did an Iron Man one-shot that greatly influenced the movies. He put the thunder and lightning back into Marvel's Thunderbolts title, and to the topic at hand, he reanimated... No pun intended. He reanimated Moon Knight and Karnak. Two characters who'd really been Marvel Universe afterthoughts, whose rejuvenation had them, quote-unquote, making it to the MCU's small screen by dreamy leading men Oscar Isaac and Ken Lung, respectively. Though we should definitely pause and consider the extent to which being in the ABC TV show Inhumans is making it since it didn't make anything except people angry. Anyway, this week we are going to look at how Warren Ellis breathed new life into and made Moon Knight and Karnak. I, you're, it says even more interesting, but I'm going to just say interesting because beforehand they weren't interesting at all. He made them interesting. I'm Roman Segal. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we're two guys howling at the moon. All right, Roman. Warren Ellis so, is actually the guy who made me want to be a professional writer. So he had a huge impact on me when I first read him as a teenager. Can the same be said for you? No. But 
for what it's worth, Spider Jerusalem would have been a cool AOL Instant Messenger screen name, even though that character continues to give me the heebie-jeebies. Well, I kind of went through Warren Ellis's huge bibliography, and it is extensive. So, you know, have, had had you read him before? Were you new to him? I don't. I don't want to say I was new to him, but he wasn't. He wrote so many things. And the first thing I consciously read that I knew was Warren Ellis was Transmet. And I didn't realize that he was the guy behind Authority and uh, Planetary and a number of other titles. Now, as I got older and more sophisticated and by following British writers around in the comic book space, I, of course, knew who Warren Ellis was, similar to the other names I threw out, Millar, Ennis, Moore. But, you know, it's funny. I feel like that handful of British writers are all different, but some of them, specifically, you know, Millar and Ennis with with Warren Ellis, do have a style. And to me, that style, and it, Moon Knight and Karnak exacerbated, is the guy who's the best at everything and says mm-hmm. a couple of, like, mean, cutting words concisely and drives home the point and says the thing you wish you could say in that room, in that meeting, in that fight. And those are Warren Ellis characters. I mean, I, we're preparing for next week. We're reading Planetary. And... All three of the characters kind of do that, (laughs) but against the backdrop in the tapestry of the weirdness. So it's like, unlike Alan Moore, who goes full on prose in the weirdness, Mm -hmm. Warren Ellis tends to go like Kevin Smith zingers in the weirdness. And not to insult either Kevin Smith or Warren Ellis comparing them to each other, but it's this like fast paced, boom, 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 dialogue. Bendis does it well too, but but Warren Ellis is much more concise. He's like biting and choiceful with the zingers of dialogue that he puts forward. But his characters are the badass, not every man. Like these are not characters you should relate to. These are characters you want to be. And I think that's part of the the cult-like personality thing that he had around him based on the way he wrote. I wonder if he's writing who he wants to be. That wouldn't surprise me because in seeing how he interacted with people online, he 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 wrote a lot online. He was active in his message boards. And the way he talked is very, very similar to how the way his characters talk. So they all feel very much like extensions of him. And maybe that's why it's very clear to me when a book is written by Warren Ellis. Because if you've ever been on his message boards, you know, in the mid late nineties, you're probably very familiar with how he speaks or how he, at least how he he comes across online. And that's definitely reflected not just in Moon Knight and Karnak, but pretty much all of the books that he's written. So rather than seeing where the character takes him, as a lot of writers do, he's inserting himself into the character. What I'm going to have this weird take on Moon Knight. I'm going to have this weird take on Karnak with his own like religion around him or whatever. But what if I was that guy? What would my voice be for Mark Spector? What would my voice be for the inhuman Karnak? And maybe that's because these two books, they read very similar to me. Yes. Like, they're similar. Like, char- I, I, yeah. They're similar characters. No, no. They're a, a Moon Knight and Karnak, um, especially when you read them back to back. They're, they're very, very similar. Very, very similar people in their, in their outlooks on life, in the way they handle, you know, in the way they interact with the people they're beating up they they they're almost kind of interchangeable for better yeah, or for ex- exactly, worse ex- exactly it's what if marvel cast warren ellis to play <laughs> moon knight what if marvel ca- for, uh, from a voice actor perspective right like that's 
I felt with these two books more than say Planetary or Ruins or any of his other stuff. Even, you know, Transmetropolitan was probably and I haven't read Transmet since it came out when my friend, my best friend was really into it. But it feels like that channels more Warren Ellis than anything. The one book that I, I kind of want to go back to at some point is Warren Ellis did a webcomic called Freak Angels. And I read it intermittently on the web, you know, where it's just like one page released weekly or daily or something. And I didn't feel like Warren Ellis's voice was in that as much. But again, I, I didn't realize that Warren Ellis had this common thread of a voice throughout all of his books until this rereading. Yeah. So should we get into wonder, either of the books? Yeah. I just before I just kind of wonder if that's and this is kind of getting into the books anyway, if that's kind of a product of the way these books were written. Because when you think of Alan Moore, I mean, what he's known for are these long wind up epics, Watchmen, From Hell, pretty much everything that Alan Moore does is this huge storyline with multiple characters. And even Garth Ennis, you know, his run on Punisher, Preacher, these things are, are long. And when you think about Warren Ellis, by contrast, really the only long thing he did was Transmetropolitan. And you can say, okay, Planetary and The Authority were long, but each... They were actually very, very episodic. So it's almost like he's just kind of stringing together a bunch of short stories. So I've always kind of got the sense that Warren Ellis gets fixated on the idea, on an idea, and he just kind of slams out a story that kind of centers on that idea. It's short, it's sweet, it's very, very fast, but he doesn't really dive that deep into, you know, into the, the characters who are populating that story. In, in many ways, it, he kind of reminds me of like, I don't know if you've ever read Philip K. Dick's short stories, but they almost feel like, like ideas more than fully developed stories. And I would say that that, to an extent, holds true for Moon Knight and Karnak. I don't know how interested he was in Moon Knight and Karnak, the characters, you know, or if this was just kind of a work-for-hire that he did to rejuvenate both, you know, tertiary characters for Marvel over the course of four to six I, And episodes. I think in, in your intro, it's exactly that, right? It's, here's a bag of money, put a shot of adrenaline into this character, pick the pieces of it you like the most, right? So for example, with Moon Knight, they dance around the edges and play some fan service to the other supporting characters because I was pretty familiar with Moon Knight. Like I dug him as a character, even though he's a, clearly a Batman ripoff. But, you know, he he chooses one element, the multiple personality disorder, and decides- Was that always, was that always an aspect of Moon Knight? Here's I'm not I familiar with know. the character, yeah. Yeah, so here's what I know and don't know. What I do know is Conchu, Batman ripoff, etc. Like he was, he featured prominently in Mark Bagley's run on Amazing Spider-Man back in the day. So you kind of, I knew all the like mythos parts of him, but what I didn't know, it, I almost read into all the characters he played as kind of Bruce Wayne being Matches Malone and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, you're ripping off Batman more. But about five years ago, I went on a library binge of Moon Knight stuff, which included this book. But there are, I believe, some other books by Jeff Lemire and a few others. So they go deep into the psychosis. And I wonder if they're continuations of this book or if they came first. So I don't know who decided to go first and furthest with the multiple personality disorder. But again, Warren Ellis decided to kind of pull that apart. But honestly, he he did the cool secret agent thing. He focused, he fixates and focuses 
less on the multiple personalities and more on the Mr. Knight character, the guy in the sweet white suit with the mask, which is cool. It's it's cool. It's badass. It's James Bondy with a which superhero. Which Warren Jones. Ellis did also write. Write. He wrote a James Bond comic as well. Just I've actually bought that. that for my college roommate who's a big James Bond fan. So yeah, and I'd recommend reading those. They're entertaining, but he has a shtick. But with Karnak, so this is what's interesting. With Karnak, who I've always thought was a really interesting character, Really? But, okay, well, well, wait, why? Because I, I never thought, I always, whenever I think of Karnak, he's always kind of like in the background of like an inhuman gathering, karate chopping something. So well, that's I a, was that's not. A, that's, that's, ex- that's exactly why. Like, so I love, as a kid, the Fantastic Four. Like, that's really what like brought me into comics. I read Spider-Man, I read Captain America, Superman, Batman, but the Fantastic Four was my jam. And the Inhumans were kind of cool. They're like this weird other super team family. And Karnak was the Kung Fu one. And, you know, in high school, Kung Fu and karate are cool. And he's this super powered Kung Because honestly, Iron Fist was a B character. Shang-Chi was a B character. So the only other Kung Fu people, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee, Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat, Ryu in Street Fighter. So the few times you saw Karnak and his power as it was defined is he could see the weakness in anything. So it was such an interesting power mm. paired with like this weird Kung Fu mystique. And he's in kind of a fantastic four adjacent thing. So for me, it had all the workings of there was never enough Karnak, but when I saw Karnak, it was pretty cool. Now he looked weird as hell with the big forehead and everything. When the inhuman show came out on ABC, it was trash, but Ken Lung, who I believe was in lost. I was like, I really like this actor. I liked watching him be Karnak and it was a much more pulled back like version of the character. So I, I I don't know. I, what I, what, so what was great about the Warren Ellis take on Karnak was he didn't give a shit. Like he was like, I'm barely going to explore any of the human stuff. If anything, I'm going to say he never had powers. He was just really good at something. And then he decided to take it in his own place. He's like, Karnak has a cult and a temple and he's on retainer with shield. And he likes to, fuck around with phil colson <laughs> like yeah. i i don't know and it, again it it read as the same character as mark specter except i don't know karnak was more of well, an asshole <laughs> so here's here's what i appreciate about both of the, about both moon knight and karnak warren ellison's run warren ellison's runoff is that you know i never you know moon knight didn't really have a personality at least from the com the limited run of comics that i've read of moon knight previously he didn't have a personality karnak definitely didn't have a personality and Warren Ellis gave both characters very, very strong personalities. Distinct. Uh, distinct. Very distinct personalities. Granted, as we have been alluding to, both Moon Knight and Karnak are pretty similar to each other. But again, it's a refreshing look at characters who were typically just kind of in the background or who would show up to help Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four without saying much. I do also like the fact that Warren Ellis really, I won't say he explores how damaged these these men are, but the psychological damage of both of these characters is sort of at the forefront and it's something that he, you know, kind of emphasizes early on. And I won't say he explores it because he really doesn't, I don't think. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's kind of there as, 
almost sort of like, hey, future writers, here's something you guys can look into if you really want to. Run with this, run with this. Yeah, run with it. But it's 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 he introduces the concept. I guess he introduces the concept of in Moon Knight's case, a disassociative personality disorder, and in the case of Karnak, this incredible cynicism, this incredible pessimism where he's just like actually, which is a reflection of his power, finds fault in everything. <laughs> Yeah. So so yeah. So I I you know I, I give I give Ellis a lot of a lot of credit f- for that and and you know and 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 well you know let me ask you which one which one did you like better or did you did you not have a preference? It's flip side to the same coin. I mean the only thing is, this is a cop out answer. I enjoyed reading Moon Knight more because I had a physical copy Karnak. I was reading on my tablet and and again this makes a huge difference for me because. While we've been talking, I've been flipping through Moon Knight. Like, and you can't swipe through pages as fast, and you can't revisit stuff and linger as much when reading on a tablet. And so I felt, as a result, it's probably based on my reading experience of Karnak, was Karnak was kind of very short and sweet. I literally read it in half an hour before putting my daughter to bed. I was just, like, flying through it. And Moon Knight, I felt like I was on the edge of my seat because I was lingering on the pages a little longer and I was going back and forth. But again, I, I guarantee if I read Karnak as a book, it would I would have had the same experience. One thing I like more about Karnak is literally him dicking around with Phil Coulson because what, what, what Karnak has is it has a relatable character, right? And I'm not saying I mm. you want to be Karnak, but Phil Coulson is... And again, Marvel's been kind of playing with him as a character. He was invented for ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the Avengers movie. So Joss Whedon invention. But speaking of Me Too, but like, or soon to be Me Too, I don't know. But Coulson is kind of like the, not comic relief, but he's the straight man to all of Karnak's jokes and perceptions. And in Moon Knight, you don't have that character. You kind of have that cop that they're setting up to be a villain at the end. But there's... There's no one whose eyes you get to see it through in Moon Knight. And Karnak, you got Coulson, who's who's your boy. You see him in other mediums. So I give Karnak that edge. And again, the other thing I'll say is Karnak as a character had less baggage. He was, as I described, a side character from the Inhumans, whereas Moon Knight, and I was just looking it up on Wikipedia, you know, Moon Knight's been around forever. Bendis and a bunch of other people had taken some stabs at him. I actually remember back in the wizard reading days, there were some, you know, super hot artists doing Moon Knight and it was like jumped up the value in Moon Knight. So like uh, there've been a lot of stabs at rejuvenating Moon Knight and doing stuff with him over the years. So this was just Warren Ellis's take. Warren Ellis is next in line for a take on Moon Knight. Karnak, other than being in the ensemble of the Inhumans, never really got his own take. So this is where the edge, I think, does go to Karnak. Yeah, I mean, I will agree. Karnak was, you know, he he never really been his own character ever in Moon Knight. He had, he did have one shots. He had he had prominent, you know, guest roles. But one thing I did like about Moon Knight in particular was how, kind of how how well. First off, Warren Ellis does a very good job, both getting away from the fact that Moon Knight is a Batman ripoff, but also kind of acknowledging it. But the way, you know, the way he acknowledges it, I think is kind of clever, you know, because Batman, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of lurks in the night, he surprises criminals, Moon Knight is the one you see coming, and he likes it that way, he likes freaking people out. So in a way, it's sort of like a tip to Batman, but also like, okay, so Batman's here, we're gonna go do a complete 180. 
with with Moon Knight. And you know, and I think putting Moon Knight into street clothes, giving him both he also he also of course has his regular superhero suit. To be clear, those aren't street clothes. That's a badass looking suit. It's a it's a, it's a badass white suit with a bag over his head. But it's basically Moon Knight in civvies. And then you've got the version where he's basically in a superhero suit. And then you've got kind of the uh, the supernatural suit that he has. So you have these three distinct looks of Moon Knight, which kind of ties into, I know there are four, supposedly four aspects of Moon Knight's personality that Warren Ellis teases, doesn't really do much with it. But I felt that that was clever, right? Kind of showing the different ways Moon Knight might appear, the different, and, and also like the different the different problems that he might have to solve. Some of it is like a kidnapped girl. There's that episode where he has to kind of fight his way. It's like Daredevil. They're, they're all, like the they're one, they're one, yeah, they're one shots. There's not a narrative. Yeah. And one thing worth noting, I would highly recommend, uh, because again, from my Moon Knight binge five years ago, which included this Warren Ellis book, check out the Jeff Lemire. I think Lemire took over afterwards and it dives into the multiple personality quite a bit. And I, I, in fact, unfortunately, I still had that lingering baggage of that as I was reading this. Huh. And so I knew this Warren Ellis thing was just the tip of the iceberg, was just kicking it off. Lemire was after Ellis? I believe so. I might be wrong. Okay, that's interesting. It doesn't surprise me that Lemire dies into it. Lemire is like a big character guy. And Ellis is mostly, you know, he's kind of like a sci-fi idea guy you know even those characters are kind of fun to listen to they're as we mentioned earlier they're they're all they kind of have a a sameness to them so yeah so it doesn't surprise me that lemire really kind of embraced what warren ellis set up and i'm saying that presuming that lemire came after and yeah it was so i just checked on wikipedia and it's actually brian wood of dmz fame comes after warren ellis and then lemire but another fun fact for you I don't know if you know this. Karnak is the name of a town in Egypt near the Luxor pyramids. Oh, there's your car that that sets up a perfect Karnak Moon Knight crossover. <laughs> I, uh, one, thing I, one thing I just ahead. wanted to add about Moon Knight before we move on is one is that he fights. You know, I, you mentioned you know it's they're all one shots, so he fights very different types of villains, but. You know, normally, you know, like with Daredevil, he's going to fight characters who are a little bit more grounded. You know, Spider-Man has his his that types of enemies he fights. Doctor Strange fights, you know, weird, you know, interdimensional travelers. And with Moon Knight, though, he kind of fights all of the above. You know, he has kind of like the run-of-the-mill supervillains that he fights. He also has sort of like the street-level crime that's more familiar to Batman and Daredevil. And then he also kind of has these supernatural battles where he fights, you know, punk ghosts or he'll fight, you know, in somebody's dreamscape. So, you know, there's there's actually what Warren Ellis does, even though he doesn't quite see a bit it of range, all the way quite through. Quite a bit of range. Uh, yeah, he sets up a lot of range for the Moon Knight character. And then, you know, and then and, and he also sets up the possibility of tying that to the distinct personalities of Moon Knight, which truth be told, aren't really that distinct to me, at least in Warren Ellis's run, but for know, sure, for sure. But, you know, you and, but again, th- there's, there is a lot of range and I enjoy that. And there's one thing that I'm trying to find the line that I never really realized. And maybe it had been said further in the mytho- mythology, but you know, Moon Knight's duty from Khonshu, the, the moon God, or whatever is to protect people who travel at night and that's literally what he does like 
sure, there's some Batman ripoffness, but I love how it ties into the mythology. And before we move away from it, there's just there's some really cool, not just graphics, but like elements. Uh, three that come to mind first, and from least to best, is I love that he sets up like an Odin burger, like a Norse yeah. mythology fast food thing. I love the Daredevil long fight scene, which is an entire issue. I love how he depicts Konshu. It is the stuff of nightmares and eyes wide shut masks. You know, I love that he has to use the ancient costume to fight ghosts. I, there's just so much stuff. And the mushroom chapter, I just want to say it was, was like my, like that. I just haunts (laughs) me. That is, it's like a, such a memorable uh, sequence. It's a good horror story. Yeah. I, I, I just, what, what I will say where Moon Knight has the edge over Karnak is it was much more visually compelling. I'm not saying Karnak doesn't have a distinct visual style, but there's a lot more fun that the artist chose to have. And I don't know if the artist took the ownership or Warren Ellis gave him the direction, but Shelby, I believe, is the Declan Shelby just really made it his own and had a lot of fun with a lot of the different gags, the pacing. <sighs> It just visually was a compelling read. It felt like yeah. a comic. Versus it's Karnak was co- a much more minimalistic sort of exposure. It's visually compelling. Moon Knight is visually compelling. And each each episode is sort of popping with really interesting ideas. And in a way, it sort of is emblematic of the both the best and the worst of Warren Ellis in that there's some really cool ideas here. But sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, it feels like he's just kind of tossing it out there. And, you know, it's just, it's almost sort of like backdrop. He doesn't really explore it. And some of the stuff, like the mushroom chapter, where, you know, at the end, there's this, you know, Warren Ellis says, we're, we're breathing in this guy's dreams. I mean, or Moon Knight says, we're breathing in this guy's dreams. And it's such an interesting idea. And that's the end of the episode. And then we move on to the next one. And, you know, some of the ideas are just so interesting that you kind of want him to linger on it a little bit more. Well, but it it leaves you wanting more. Well, yeah, but it also leaves you kind of unsatisfied, right? There's a, there's that point where you're sort of like, oh, this is really cool. I want it just a little bit more versus, oh, yeah, you didn't really finish, did you? You know, and I kind of felt <laughs> like the latter more with, with, with in reading Moon Knight. But I don't think he ever, re- you know, it's obvious, it's clear that he never really intended to finish. Again, it's just sort of like, here's some cool ideas. He's a, set, he's a setup like, guy. He's the setup guy. Yeah, it's like, it's like it, you know what? It's like the best ideas become atmosphere for Moon Knight, which was a little bit, which after a while, you know, you kind of read one idea after the next, and after the next, after the next, it becomes a little frustrating. You're just like, oh man, finish shit up. Versus Karnak, at least, you know, it, it is, there's, there's a narrative through line. You know, because it's one story, not like a bunch of different stories that are kind of that kind of coalesce around a single character. What did Fair. what 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 did you think of the Karnak? Just of the Karnak story, since that is the one that actually has a story. It's okay. I mean, here's what I will say: in human stories, there was a while in in Marvel politically. Marvel had been acquired by Disney, but Disney did not have the rights to the X Men movies or Spider Man, and So for a hot minute, like five, maybe seven to 10 years, Marvel Comics was deprioritizing the X-Men and really Mm. setting up the Inhumans as the Inhumans are going to fill that void. And we're going to play it up in the comics and we're going to launch this show on ABC and uh, the ABC show. While it looks 
good. It was a famous flop. It's pretty bad. But the Inhumans got fleshed out in such a manner that they never had gotten in their entire history in Marvel for five or seven years. And you got great characters like Miss Marvel to come out of them and many other things like the t- explanation of the Terrigan myth. So, of course, the backdrop of the story is, you know, the way the Inhumans get their powers is, you know, they're kind of they're bred millions of years ago. The Kree, these aliens kind of like planted their genetic seed inside of humanity and basically form these inhumans that have these like latent superhuman genes that are only unlocked with the exposure to something called the Terrigan Mist. And as they kind of, as Marvel fleshed out the inhumans, they said, okay, we're going to actually like put Terrigan clouds all over the earth. So every latent inhuman is woken up. So you go from this like small cabal of secretive people right, with this royal family, which includes Black Bolt and Karnak, etc., to Inhumans are popping up all over the world. And that has lots of, like, Civil War II and this Marvel. It just, it's a thing in the Marvel Universe now because Marvel is world building. And that's the backdrop of this comic. It's, hey, Karnak, you're sitting in your temple training you Inhumans into your little cult and religion, and S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the basically Marvel CIA, says... We kind of need your help chasing down this person. And so I buy it. It works within the world building of the MCU comic universe. But the story itself was kind of weak. <laughs> not going to lie. But I liked the character of Karnak navigating this weak plot. Yeah, it is. It, okay, so wait, let me just go back and ask you. Were, I remember like the Marvel seemed to want to replace the Inhumans with mutants. You mean the other way well, around? Sorry, the mutants with... Inhumans. So in basically in seeding the world with Terrigan clouds, creating a whole bunch of like latent, uh, you know, creating a whole mass of inhumans throughout the populace, that, there's really no way to differentiate that from like the mutants, is there? Because I mean, like, functionally, it's the same freaking concept, isn't it? it I mean, but the, the slight difference is mutants... If you have the mutant gene, when you hit puberty, you're going to get wings, you're going to get claws, you're going to have laser beams coming out of your eye, versus you could be an inhuman. You could be an inhuman, and you might live your entire life and never know that you're an inhuman, because you won't get the privilege of the ceremony with the Terrigan Mist. But when you fucking run the Terrigan Mist cloud all over the planet, pretty much every inhuman is awakened. So, sorry. You could edit that entire part out. Yes, by doing the Terrigan cloud all over the (laughs) Earth... You pretty much brought mutants to the... But the other difference, though, is Inhumans weren't hated and feared once people were waking up with it because everyone all... It's like if everyone all of a sudden could be a mutant. And if anything, it almost became an arms race for people to go grab these Inhumans. Countries were trying to grab them and weaponize them and do stuff with them. So politically, it was a very different thing. It wasn't the hated and feared shtick that the X-Men have. Okay. So... By the way, Ryan, uh, (laughs) this turned into like a super nerdy fanboy explanation of the Inhumans and not what a badass Karnak is. That's totally fine. But I'm just going to say the way you describe it makes it seem like it's basically the X-Men without the one thing that makes the X-Men kind of unique, which is the the fact that they're hated and feared. Racism, right. Racism. Inhumans without racism. it's, it's, it's It's your Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket. How is that? Well, in being an inhuman is like okay, okay, okay. I was that that one that one I, I could, that eluded me. <laughs> I um, um, but back to Karnak, it's just like 
so again, the thing I appreciated was you're set in the Marvel universe on the backdrop of all this inhuman shit that had been going on. And Karnak is an asshole, cynical, badass Kung Fu master. Like that was cool. And it's fun watching him navigate, even like going to a bar in Germany and saying, I'd like to have your purest water, please. Or him Mm. lecturing people that embrace your nothingness. You are meaningless or all these things. Like it's really like a philosophical jolt through the lens of a comic book. And I had fun reading those things. Yeah, I will say that that is one area where where the Karnak character does differentiate from Moon Knight is that he's very much of a philosopher. A philosopher asshole. (laughs) A philosopher asshole. Though, you know, even though what he says, you could kind of see it coming from from Alice's version of, of Moon Knight. I do really actually appreciate, and I've always kind of appreciated this about Alice's work, is how he really explores the powers of these characters in a unique way, which he does with with Moon Knight, you know, kind of really kind of expands what Moon Knight is capable of doing and how his powers work. And then he just really does a good job with Karnak, you know, because you kind of see the extent to which, you know, how how the whole thing about him spotting the flaw works. It's not just with physical objects. He does it with sound waves, for instance. Uh, he does it with people's personalities. And so you see kind of an expansion of that power. And then you also, as we I kind of mentioned earlier, Karnak's constant search for flaws, nothing's perfect, kind of leads to that really cynical philosophy. So you see how that power kind of like ties into who he is as a person, which is another thing that I think is really, really neat with, with Alice. You, re- you usually don't see like a really strong connection between the powers and the personality. Yeah, for sure. And And again, that's one of the things that makes him such an interesting character one dig on this book unlike moon knight you know i'm a big advocate for i just want the same writer and artist together and the art in karnak starts out so strong otherworldly almost and it turns into this kind of very literal every other marvel comic style by the end of the book and i don't know if they changed the artist or the artist changed his style but no, they changed he, the artist. I think I think the fir- the artist of the first two. So I actually bought the first two issues, you know, kind of when when Karnak was first coming out. And then the reason I stopped buying it was because it was constantly late. They kept saying, "Oh, episode 3 is coming out. Episode 3 is freaking never issue never every two three never came out. Months, two months, three months later." And then I was just like, "All right, forget it." And I kind of I kind of wonder if the artist had trouble keeping a deadline, which does seem to happen a lot. Well, with the with the, I, this is going to sound terrible with the greats, with the really good ones, and I'm I'm in the middle of working with a comic book artist and colorist right now, and and he's great, he's an amazing colorist, but deadlines. It, it, I don't want to say there's like a lack of discipline, but the quality of the work and the place they have to take themselves to to do the work to shut out everything else. I can understand why the most beautifully drawn books are consistently like. Yeah, yeah. As we saw with uh, as we saw with New X Men, for instance, and probably many others. So, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think we can kind of like have an episode devoted to Warren Ellis without talking a little bit about how he fell from grace. He multiple, multiple, multiple women accused him of kind of using his influence and his his prestige to you know coerce them into into really kind of sexually vulnerable positions. And I, I think there was actually like a website where it's like every, all of these women kind of had their stories of, you know, dealing with Warren Alice and how he would kind of, you know, shower them with affection and, you know, 
they would they, and and then he would take it away but not after they did something that they felt kind of humiliated them and this was sort of like a consistent pattern so it wasn't a harvey weinstein situation but there were a lot of incidents that 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 came to light and so i just i just wanted to get your take on that like and i i'm still wrestling this with with this myself you know does this change and you know and we can also talk about joss whedon and his run on because we reviewed amazing x-men earlier and of course he's done a whole bunch of stuff that people love does this change your enjoyment of the of the of the of the art that they create it does, but for a different reason. I'll, I want to. I'll come back to cancel culture and actually an approach my my comedian friend Rajiv came up with specifically to Michael Jackson. But I'll come back to that in a second. Where it changes my perception. So I really haven't read Warren Ellis uh, when the news broke of his Me Too ness. Probably about six or seven months ago when we were doing this podcast because we knew he was someone we wanted. And I, I think I remember texting him like, uh, I guess I don't know if we're going to read Warren Ellis now. Back when I read him before, I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's quirky. It's wow. These guys have attitudes. And now, especially now, and we talked about this at the top of the episode. It's kind of obvious that he would behave like this reading his interpretation of these characters. It is not a leap too far to see someone who writes characters like this with this sort of ego and arrogance would have the gall to misuse his power and his influence in the real world. So that's not a shame on him. I mean, it is, but it's like, it feels so obvious reading Moon Knight and Karnak through that lens. And you asked me to read another one of his books, which I thought it was kind of as uh, his uh, ruins. Ruins, ruins. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just trash, like horror porn, basically. Nothing like terrible. It's just like, as like, I got nothing out of it. And I, I reacted very viscerally negatively to it. So, again, my first point is I'm not surprised. Literally, now that I read his books, knowing what I know, hindsight is 2020, I'm like, oh, yeah, the asshole who wrote these asshole characters who are really smarmy and smug and arrogant and superior. Yeah. I could see either these characters. Or the guy who writes these characters from his own self to do that. So that's kind of my slam on him. My friend one Rajiv, thing that makes uh, oh, oh please go, go on. on. Well, one uh, thing that makes Warren Ellis uh, superheroes kind of unique is there's a sort of a fascistic pleasure in violent punishment. You know, like his his superheroes always beat the bad guys to death. In a violent and painful way. And this is this is consistent. And, you know, I think, you know, it's... he. You know, there are other writers who will kind of think about the moral uh, implications of that sort of behavior from your heroes. Alan Moore, for instance, right? He Rorschach, right? He's He doesn't... I don't think Alan Moore views Rorschach as a hero in Watchmen. A lot of Warren Ellis's superheroes... But, but, but hang on, hang on. Alan Moore, but Alan Moore's characters don't have the arrogance that Warren Ellis's do. Well, you're right. I, I, I think that's true. They again, Alan Moore's characters aren't don't all feel like projections of one mentality. They're varied. They're different people with different goals and agendas and drives. And Warren Ellis's characters, his superheroes, tend to be again, they tend to derive great pleasure in hurting bad guys granted they're you they tend to be like really really tortured in kind of a almost a very shallow way and i think about the end of karnak for instance when he's sort of like upset about his parents and how his parents never loved him and the character it's sort of like oh really you know and, and he, that happened in moon knight also not to the moon knight character but to the there's that storyline where he fights the the punk gang the gang of punk ghosts 
And he realizes at the end, the reason they're ghosts is because one of the members a long time ago had had a saw his like little child musical box and was, I guess, had a, you know, crisis of conscience consciousness and conscious sorry and shot himself and all of his buddies and so it's like a really kind of shallow reason why these characters are the way they are so and and that that is sort of emblematic of of a warren ellis character and in a way it also it's it's it almost seems like it's meant to sort of soften the fact that his heroes are so gleefully fascist yeah i i never thought about it that way but yeah, there's a there is a little fascist streak to these guys. What did what did Rajiv say? Well, before before I tell you Rajiv's take on this, how do you separate the creator from the controversy? How well, you do you? I mean, to, how are I you kind of have. To, yeah, I, and it's not just Warren Ellis. You think about I think about Woody Allen. I think about Roman Polanski. And you kind of have to do it on a I think on a case by case basis. I for me, if the creative work is really really separate from. I don't know. Maybe the, the 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 crime that the you know so Bill the creator did. Well, okay, Bill Cosby is actually a really good example, right? His persona is a fun-loving dad, really, really wholesome, and of course, he's a rapist. So there's no way you can really enjoy the Cosby Show knowing who he is. Roman Polanski, Chinatown, I think, is a great movie but roman polanski also is a rapist and i guess that does come into play in chinatown but you know there's no i guess moralizing in chinatown in fact it's kind of the complete opposite especially given what happens at the end so in a way i can kind of watch chinatown and not be too impacted by thinking about who roman polanski is on the other hand another example woody allen right you know knowing his predilection for young girls watching manhattan really changes things, right? Because he has that relationship with Mario Hemingway, who's like a high school girl. And you see that, and you know who Woody Allen is, and you're like, oh, that's really kind of skeezy. And there's even a line in Annie Hall, which is a relationship between two adults, but there's this line where one of the characters is sort of like touting how great it is, you know, to be in Los Angeles with all of these teenage girls around him. And now you hear that line, and it gives you the heebie-jeebies, right? So you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. It's not like, you know... This this creator did something awful, and all of his work is def- is forever tainted. It depends, I guess, how closely tied his that work is to the creator's persona, for me at least. That's fair. That's fair. And again, with Warren Ellis, that's what's tricky. I didn't realize how close to the persona it was until we read these books. So much so that ah, we're about to read Planetary next week, and I'm not having my doubts about reading it because it is as many say, one of the great comics of the past two decades. And I'm sure you will shit on it, and as will our, the guests we're going to bring on the show. But I've I read it. I've, I've, I really like Planetary, so I don't think I... Well, who knows? Maybe it'll. Maybe I'll shit on well, it. Well, but that's the thing. But the last time we read it, right? Like, we read Kingdom yeah. Come years ago and loved it, and I'm going to yeah, read it with yeah. fresh eyes. I've never read it in on one it. sitting. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. But I want to come back to what my friend Rajiv said when all the Michael Jackson stuff happened and he watched the documentary. And he wrote a really great blog post about this. My friend Rajiv is a comedian. He's really into entertainment. He has very strong opinions. But I don't know how you do this. Like with Bill Cosby, you you can't watch the Cosby show on Nick at Night now anymore and be like, that same lovable dad is literally roofing and raping women. Like you can't separate those two things anymore. But Rajiv's point on Michael Jackson was, at what point did the bad behavior start? 
And that's Rajiv's point. He's like, okay, if the bad behavior started, and I don't, I'm going to get all my years wrong, in 1989, then I will listen to and enjoy all of my Michael Jackson's stuff before 1989. And then when the bad behavior starts, like uh, according to accusations and court documents and documentaries and all that shit, I'm not going to listen to that Michael Jackson stuff anymore. So that's how he's kind of justified. And I find that interesting. Now the question is, okay, so how far back do these accusations on Warren Ellis go? So maybe that's when I will continue to enjoy and read him. But the moment he kind of crosses that line is that's when you cancel his work. He's still canceled as a person. Uh, he like Rajiv likes to say, Louis C.K., rest in peace. You're not going to go see his shows. You're not going to buy his new books, et cetera, et cetera. Ender's Game, Orson Scott Card is another great example. He has said some reprehensible things. And maybe those are in his heart, but they don't come through when you read Ender's Game. Harry Potter, uh, J.K. Rowling, same thing. So with literary figures, I think the Michael Jackson rule applies as well. Well, Roman, I was going to ask what we're what are we reading next week, but I think we already made it pretty clear. Next week we are <laughs> reading we're going to continue the Warren Alice run. We are going to read Planetary, which he wrote in its entirety and it is illustrated by John Cassidy who illustrated Astonishing X-Men written by Joss Whedon. Oh, poor John wow. Cassidy. <laughs> but Planetary, I'm, I'm really actually curious how Planetary, re you know, last time I read it, it was probably about five, maybe even 10 years ago. I really enjoyed it when I did. It's just like, I would say an explosion in the genre factory. You know, you'll see like allusions to Godzilla and the Hong Kong bullet ballets and, and, and Doc Savage and all of these old pulps. It's, it's really kind of like a love letter to... All of the, the medium. pop culture genres, yeah, to the medium that of, of 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 pop culture, of trash culture, and it's literally an exploration of that medium because it basically follows three explorers who are going through the secret history of the world. So that's next week. Cannot wait.